Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Baton Rouge is rife with talent, not just entrepreneurial and tech talent, which we focus on a lot on this show, but creative talent, artists, writers, musicians, photographers. What makes someone talented? Is it innate? Or does training and hard work play a role? And how important is it for someone with a talent in the arts to express himself and share his works with the rest of the world? How important is it that the rest of the world recognizes the artist's genius? Joining me at the table today is an artistic genius who needs no introduction in Baton Rouge, nature photographer Cece Lockwood, whose sublime images of Louisiana's lush landscapes, moss-laden oaks, endangered wildlife, and fragile ecosystem have earned him international acclaim and a place in the hearts of so many. Cece has not limited himself to Louisiana. He's also done extensive work in the American West, but it is for his local wildlife photography that he is best known. And his later books have called attention to the crisis of vanishing Gulf Coast wetlands and efforts by organizations like the Nature Conservancy to restore them. Cece has dozens of published books of his work, and he leads workshops of like-minded souls who want to learn to capture through the images of the beauty of nature around them. Is it something that can be taught? Cece, we'll look forward to hearing how you got into the field and what your thoughts are on what it takes to take beautiful pictures. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks. Glad to be here. Joining me and Cece at the table today is a man of many talents in his own right. Randy Roussel, one of the most respected real estate and corporate attorneys in the state and a partner at Phelps Dunbar. Randy has established a successful career over the past 30 years in Baton Rouge, a career many would envy. But Randy's true passion is photography, and he has conveyed his love for South Louisiana and specifically the river parishes where he grew up through gorgeous images that might make Cece, who actually has taught workshops that Randy has attended, proud. Randy has published two books of his photographs and a third, a combination of essays about his family and life along the Mississippi River combined with his photographs will come out later this year. Randy, welcome. To out to lunch. Thank you. Well, Cece, you're known for so many things, but especially for your images of wildlife in Louisiana, which tell the story of such a beautiful, fragile, disappearing ecosystem. You're not native to Louisiana, though. You came here, I believe, to go to LSU in the late 1960s. How did you become so enamored of this place, and, and what made you want to stay? Well, basically, I found out my mother couldn't cook when I came to <laughs> LSU. No, so she, it was the she served us healthy meals, but. Uh, I learned that food had flavor down here, and I just totally fell in love with LSU and all my friends and uh, learned, learned to be a photographer at that time. Okay, so how, how did you learn? Were you, did you study it at LSU? or I, I actually tried to be the uh, Reveille photographer about my senior year, and they wouldn't hire me because mm-hmm. I didn't know how to develop film. <laughs> no. So I taught myself to develop film, got a 35-millimeter camera, and came back my last semester and shot every day. So that really helped to shoot and develop every day. Now, taking new style photographs is very different than, than what you ended up doing. How did that evolution? Well, you know, I grew up hunting, fishing, camping in Arkansas in the Ozarks and those clear, rapid-filled streams. So uh, uh, 
I, I got out of LSU in finance after being in architecture, pre-med, accounting, and art. Uh, still in four years, though. And just decided to be a nature photographer. And just had to been doing it ever since. Ever since, yes. Was it hard to parlay it into a career? I mean, something where you could actually support yourself on your photographs? Well, I... It took a while to learn. There wasn't any uh, how-to books back then. There wasn't workshops to go to. I was, I was one of the first. There was, I think, three men in America that were making a living as nature photographers, and I wrote them letters and asked them, but that's the only help I got. Did they help you? They helped a little. Uh, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn LaRue up in New Jersey was very helpful, and he's uh, published a lot of books, a great photographer, and he was one of my mentors in that early age. My first few years really didn't have that many great images but with practice and being there is my secret uh, they say in the business sense you should spend 80 percent of your time in the office selling pictures and 20 percent shooting but I do it about the opposite I love being out there that's great that's the formula to your success I would imagine that's wonderful well Randy you have a successful career as an attorney a career that a lot of people would probably kill for but you love taking pictures also, and you probably wish you could spend 80% of your time waiting for that right image out in the wilderness. Right. It, it, it's, a, it's a hobby that's occupied a lot of time. One thing about practicing law is it's very intense. It's very detail-oriented. Um, typically, you're on the phone, conference calls. You're working on documents. You're looking at a computer screen. So to achieve a balance, it's like to get outside and you know, send a, you know, ride bike, runs. But then when you're doing this, you experience a you know, beautiful Louisiana climate. So it started to capture those moments in time. I started photographing those. And that's sort of been a combination of, of exercise as well as um, uh, relaxation from, from the routine of practicing law. Sure. And you've taken many workshops and classes to try to improve your technique. You're basically self-taught with help from people like CeCe Lockwood? I started self-taught. I've taken several of CC's um, workshops and been very, very helpful. I also went to uh, a workshop in Santa Fe uh, that was conducted by an editor for National Geographic, who the focus of, of that is um, of the various images that you take, the thousand that you end up with, how do you determine which ones are really the better ones and which ones tell the story you're trying to tell. I also went to a workshop in Maine, uh, Maine Media. Mm -hmm. uh, th that workshop was more in using your photographs to tell stories. So yeah. it, 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 some of them were technical in terms of technique, and some of them were technical in terms of subject matter, framing, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Now that everybody thinks that they're a photographer because they have iPhones, that it, and, and even before the iPhone, though, digital cameras, what is the what makes a, a really good photographer from just a really good iPhone owner? Well, there's uh, uh, the two workshops he just mentioned in Maine and uh, uh, Albu Albuquerque, Santa Fe, are very important. And I, I try to tell my students, you know, you got to throw away the bad ones, learn what the good ones are, and I mean, especially just don't show your bad ones to people. And not only it clutters up your computer these days, and used to clutter up your slide files, your negative files. Uh, it's, you know, you, you're making yourself look bad if you show them, well, this would have been better if I did this. No, <laughs> right. you don't even need to show that. And to tell a story, that, that's important. You know, my, my first meeting with the head of photography at National Geographic when I got my assignment to do the Chafalaya, 
he said there's plenty of good photographers but very few good ideas so getting the ideas editing your work down to the best is the secret and you you did shoot for national geographic for for many years just special projects a, a, now and then a freelance photographer farm and i did four four magazine stories and a lot of pictures in their books and children's magazines on the side and that was uh a great feather in my cap and also a learning experience to work with uh, those people. That those are the best in the world, huh? Yeah, they really are. What is the business model for photographers today? I mean, how, how do you make money at it? Well, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I had a flow from teaching workshops, from selling images to magazines, having stock agents that sold images for me, plus selling uh, designer prints and limited edition prints in galleries. And since everybody has an iPhone and most of the magazines and stuff are using more free pictures and donated pictures, so that that's kind of a flow. So many people of, of my group are teaching more workshops and doing picture books and uh, not worrying about the magazine sales. Mm -hmm. And you have a gallery also. I do, both at the Backpacker. Uh, on Jefferson Highway and I have a new little gallery, the Lockwood Gallery North in St. Francisville behind the Magnolia Cafe. And and do you sell a lot of works through that or is it more just exposure and branding? I've, I've sold a lot of, of posters, books, prints, cards, and limited edition prints over the years and still do. Mm -hmm. How, Randy, how, how is he as a teacher? Is he good? Were his workshops so, effective? What did you... So, yeah, on the, on the business side, I always appreciate people who photographers full-time because practicing law I, I make money with my photography but it's not it's not required to support my you know my life and my lifestyle um, I, I do realize that um, it's, it's very difficult because everybody's a photographer now everybody has a digital camera everybody has an iPhone um, a lot of images are shared online so the um, desire to buy your image and put it on the wall is not as great because they'll just download it and keep it on their tablet or, or, yeah. or whatever. Um, so, so being aware of, of that, you do have to find your your niche and in, in what message, what is your market, where do you want to go, how much um, time and resource do you want to put into that, like publishing a book. The, the two books I had, I self-published. So you have to front the dollars for graphic design, for printing, you know, various things in the process, and then uh, hope you can price it at a at a level and that you're, you're able to sell it and make and make and money. And you have sold them. Yeah, I have. I have sold. Actually, I've sold out on the first two books. That's great, but that's a luxury that a young photographer just getting started wouldn't have, right? Necessarily. Right. I mean, yeah, if they it, didn't it, have their own full-time successful. Yeah, you have to be willing to, to front the money. And, and get the returns on the back. Now, some people will um, sell their books to a, a publishing company and they'll get a royalty. I've been told that the business model on that is not very strong mm -hmm. for the, the photographer, the artist, unless you're really well known because your royalties can be based on a certain price per book. And if you're printing a thousand books, the economics is the same as if you're printing 20,000 or 50,000 books. Right. You have a regular a, publisher, Cece? Yeah, I've been using LSU Press, Press since my first book, and they, they do a wonderful job. And it, it's a hard business, and uh, there's so many books out there and so many people looking at their iPads and iPhones rather than buying books. So it, it's a little tougher to sell them, but 
they do bigger additions and get the cost down and sell a lot of books on, of mine. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. We're talking to wildlife photographer C.C. Lockwood and attorney Randy Roussel. We'll be right back after this very short break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. We're talking to wildlife photographer C.C. Lockwood and attorney Randy Roussel. C.C., you said something a little while ago that I had wanted to ask you about, and it was the importance of having a good idea. When you're out there on the Atchafalaya or on the River Road or some beautiful, iconic spot in South Louisiana, what do you look for that's different, that we haven't seen a million times in maybe very beautiful but cliched photographs? How do you find something different? Every time. There's just about everything's been photographed in nature. I mean, the ivory bill woodpecker is probably extinct, so it hadn't <laughs> since 1943, I believe. So you just have to get it in better light, but then present it in a book or a magazine story or a gallery show that tells the story better than somebody else. Because there's a million pictures of a big, beautiful white-tailed deer buck <laughs> right. with eight, 10, 12-point antlers. But you have to take yours as good as the rest and present it in a way if you want to make a living off of it like I do. So, so with my photography, I'm trying to do two things. One is create a sense of place and show that you know, this area of the River Parish is very different from any other place that you may go to. It's not the same as southwest Louisiana. It's not the same as Monroe or Shreveport. Um, and, and also I'm trying to tell a story and connect the various photographs together. So I think what makes some of my photographs different than somebody else's is, is the elements that I use to tell the story that, um, and, and how they connect together. So one photograph by itself may just be an iconic image, but the 12 images you piece together to tell a story in a, in a consistent way, and that's what makes it unique. Do you know when you're sitting there, aha, I got it, and you click the shutter? You know that that was it? I do. Uh, you, you get that. That's a good way to describe it. Aha, I got <laughs> that it. That aha <laughs> moment. And there's, you know, when I take people on workshops to places I've been hundreds of times, sometimes I don't take as many pictures as they do because I've been there and I, right. I've done that. And until that shaft of light comes magically through the trees, I might just have my camera sitting around my neck. But I want them to take and practice and, and see. Well, let's switch gears for just a minute. This is a part of the show that we call Another Great Idea. So maybe you have a friend who's always has a great idea for you. They tell you about a job you should have applied for or a, somebody you have to meet and have a cup of coffee with or a great investment opportunity. And maybe you take the advice and it turns out well or you follow their advice and it turns out really bad. Can you think of a situation that you've ever had like that? Did you follow your friend's advice and how did it turn out? I got, uh, I got a good one for that. Okay. Uh, Claudette Price was the bookseller at Godshaw's and later Maison Blanche and ended up as the marketing uh, woman for LSU Press. And I was there. In fact, she sold more of my first Atchafalaya book than all the other bookstores combined. She was a seller. So anyway, we were there 20 or 30 times over years, and mm -hmm. we'd always talk books and ideas. And she said, the Mississippi River. And I never would have thought. I mean, I, I was in the swamps or the Rocky Mountains or the Grand Canyon. And finally, I took her advice, 
and I got in a raft and floated down the whole Mississippi, and it's one of my most successful books, and really a delightful experience to see Fantastic. the middle of America from top to bottom. And you sailed the whole thing on a raft, on or a, on a boat, I mean. 2,410 miles, 20 miles. Wow, I bet that was wonderful. What year was this? 1997. And she also said I ought to do a cookbook, but I hadn't done that yet. So, Fantastic. What about you, Randy? I, um, I took a photo New Orleans workshop. Once a year they have an annual program, and um, they, they bring in speakers from around the country. And you're supposed to present body of work. It's one of the first times I ever heard the term body of work and actually tried to present something consistently. So I had all the iconic images of... You know, the plantations, the oak trees, you know, the, the river, the things you, you always see. And Sig Harvey was the teacher, and she said, well, you know, all, there's a reason you go to this, this color or this, this object, and, but you need to identify a deeper meaning in, in where, they, where they are so they're just not like everybody else's photograph. And so um, she created what she called a mind map, where you, you kind of create a grid of what you're seeing and how it relates to the story you're trying to tell. And then you create this, this grid of, of what's out there. And then you go back and relook at things and try to connect stuff together. So that's, that's really a good way to organize your yeah, thoughts. Very and also a way to take your thousand images down to 200 really good images and tell that consistent story. That's it's great. not all just, I mean, a good part of it is sitting out there and taking the photographs, enjoying nature, you know, being outside that's mm-hmm. that's the fun part of it but putting some structure into yeah. what you're trying to accomplish is the harder part but it I think it takes you to the next level mm-hmm. what do y'all think it is about Louisiana that is so attractive to people who love to tell stories whether through words or pictures or paintings what I mean Arkansas is very beautiful you Randy have a place in North Carolina that's very beautiful but is there something special about Louisiana South Louisiana well, it, it took me a while to figure it out. You know, I, I am a nature boy. I love being out there and being in nature. And in the 70s and 80s, I was fighting to save the Chafalaya on the Gulf Coast and, and, you know, for the alligators and the porpoises. But I finally figured it out. I stayed here during college because I love the people, and the people are so interesting, and especially the South Louisiana folks that grew up in the marsh and got the, got the good food and the music and the just just friendly people out on the bayou and I think that attracts everyone worldwide. And you think it's different than in other places really? I think so I mean it really is. I agree with CC, and also there are so many different cultures that have come to New Orleans and through New Orleans to the rest of the state. Uh, it's a port city. Uh, it one time was you know the third largest city in the United mm-hmm. States. So you ended up with German, French, Spanish, Caribbean, you know, African, you know, all these different cultures. And everybody blended at some level but kept their cultures independent at another. And it just creates a very, very interesting environment, um, and which I don't think you find in most places. Yeah, I think that's an important part that probably a lot of people don't realize. They say the food is great, but I think that's one reason why, right? And all the festivals, you know, every <laughs> every 
culture brought their own festival here, and we celebrate all the festivals. Yes. You know, so you have you know Mardi Gras, St. Joseph's Day, you know, just St. Patrick's Day. You just go on, on. like every weekend. It seems like there's another festival, and a lot of them are based on the cultures of, from the people who came mm-hmm. here. No, that's a good point. And alligators. And alligators. They, <laughs> they fascinate everybody. And in my first dealings in the '70s with editors at Smithsonian, National Geographic, National Wildlife, you know they're. They know about wildlife, but they sit in an office in Washington, D.C., and New York City. And they you really have alligators in your backyard? And I said, well, when I lived on the houseboat, I did, for sure. But in Baton Rouge, I don't. I know your work in, involved with, with organizations, the conservation organizations, and trying to call attention to the plight of our eroding coastline has been so significant. We've made some progress, but not enough. This must trouble you when you, when you go out there, and, and are you still working, you know, advocating for this? Oh, yeah. It's the, the Gulf Coast of Louisiana and the coastal regions worldwide are, are very important to just the whole, whole chain of life. I mean, we, we, there's just so much, from extra marsh slowing down a hurricane wave hitting New Orleans to right. the seafood to the recreation. Uh, uh, get the natural resources out of there, so it, it's very important, and it's it's a, a tough battle. And you know, I, I recognized it in 1974 with some LSU coastal scientists. They said, they, they told me we're out in Chafla Bay, and they said we're accreting land out here. And I said, well, why is that special? Because we're sinking every place else, and uh, we've been fighting it, and it's going to take and a lot of money. And back in 1974, people were not uh, hearing that message. The governors and the legislature didn't believe it until they finally got aerial photographs and they showed, look how it was, look how it is, and this is what's going to happen. And they finally believe it, and everybody's on the believing side at least, but it's a real technical, difficult, expensive sure. problem to solve. Yeah, and, and they refuse to believe that climate change has anything to do with causing it. So, But that's another story. We won't talk about that. What advice would you all give to young photographers who are maybe trying to make a living at it? Is there a, is, is there a pathway to, to really be able to support yourself today as a photographer? Hard work. I mean, uh, there's, there's plenty out there. And, you know, like I said, there was three when I started. I joined NAMTA, which is the North American Nature, Nature Photographer Association. And there's the last time I went to a meeting, they said 1,600 people were claiming that they made their total living off photography. Wow. So to jump in to that with the same number of magazines and bookstores out there, it's, you just have to work hard and get beautiful images and put them together right. And the other, um, this is one of the lessons I learned at one of the workshops, and they did talk about how do you make a living out of photography? And they had this uh, very, very talented landscape photographer. And she went through 30 of her best images and then explained to us how many times she sold these images and how much she got, um, she received um, payment. And then said, I really make my money being a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. And my, my niche has been to put the wedding couples in these fabulous backgrounds but without being willing to do some commercial aspects that are maybe not as glamorous as going out in the Atchafalaya for a week and getting those perfect images but being willing to do some of those tasks of like you know taking corporate jobs that are more you know more um, routine not as artistic and incorporating that into your 
career is very important to be willing to do that. Yeah, I mean, would you even advise a young person to try to be a C.C. Lockwood today? Like, I'm wondering if the market can even support it. Or, like Randy says, you take a corporate job and do that on the side, and maybe you get lucky. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I did it the other way. I started right out of college at 21, where I was living in the back of my station wagon. And, you know, gas was cheap, food was cheap, film was cheap. And I just didn't spend enough until I developed enough inventory to present it to magazines. And, and I mean, that's how I got started selling to magazines first and then then I finally got my National Geographic article and my first book and just went on from there. So you, you either need to get a job to support yourself or you need to just go camp out and live on the cheap until you get your inventory up. Yeah. What do you all um, think about Baton Rouge as a place to, to live and work and do business? I mean, what, what do we need more of here to foster a, a creative class um, to make it easier for people to maybe pursue a passion like photography as a career or even just as a hobby? Or are we doing everything right? Well, it's, you know, I've lived in Baton Rouge for probably half of my 45 years since college and on houseboats, and now I live up north of St. Francisville. But it, it was fine for me. I mean, there, there could be more galleries and more art walks and more bookstores, like there used to be a lot of bookstores. But there's plenty of creative people here. I mean, just so many I've met over the years in all aspects of the creative arts. Uh, you know, it's, it's maybe not a Greenwich Village or <laughs> uh, the art district in New Orleans, but it's, it's plenty here yeah. to develop a, a talent. That's good to hear. I, I agree. I, I think you have to go out and, and find these communities of people who are interested in photography or the type of work that, that you're doing. And if you work at it and you dedicate the time to it, you can find a community of creative people, and you can find places to display your work, different um, events that go around town, but it, it, people aren't going to approach you to say, give me your five images and I'm gonna put in this gallery. You have to make the effort to find out where the galleries are, what their, um, what their vision is for their, their gallery, what displays are available, what festivals are going on, and, and make that effort. And if you make that effort, you're, you're connected. Wonderful stories. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for, but CeCe Lockwood and Randy Roussel, you all are doing beautiful things to make our, our community in a, a better place and to help show people what South Louisiana has to offer. So thanks so much for sharing your stories today and for being with me on Out to Lunch. Enjoyed it immensely. Thank you. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Cece Lockwood and Randy Roussel. You can find out more about Cece Lockwood and Randy Roussel by following the links on our website. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. All the music on Out to Lunch is composed and performed by Mitchell Foreman. You can find more of Mitchell's music wherever great jazz is streamed or sold and at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast. 
You can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our website, it's batonrouge.la, and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. 